Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us another awesome opportunity to gather together as your family, as your children, to worship, honor, and glorify you and place your name above all names, Lord, and let you become King of all kings and Lord of all lords, Lord, in our lives and the lives of each other, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely, Lord. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provided today to meet all our needs. Help us never to take for granted all the great things you do in our lives. Let us always be grateful and thankful for where you have us, Lord. Because an attitude of gratitude will take away all of our weariness, Lord. We're grateful that you're always with us. And you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. And you're with us every step of the way. I pray for the sick people that can't be here, Lord, that you give them the energy and strength they need to watch us through the podcast or listen to the podcast or through the live feed, Lord, so they can get a crystal clear message to see what the church, is, the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord, and the phone lines. We offer so many opportunities for people to get this message, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your Spirit, as always, and not our flesh. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Who's coming up and sing? All three? Okay. Brittany, Jasmine, and Deb. I had to to think about that. That's all right. I'll I'll get used to it. It did. The devil's trying to trip me up.
What a way to get the Spirit flowing tonight. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Right? One body, many parts. See, when everything works together for good, the church functions properly, everybody does their part, and everybody grows. How's everybody doing tonight, alright? It's great to see everybody come out tonight. It always is. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this opportunity. I'll tell you, every time I come into the church, I just get a sense of security that I can't get anywhere else. You know, it just, it puts my heart at ease knowing that we're with God's people, we're in God's will, we're trying to do the right thing, and He's He's backing us up, amen? Got nothing to worry about, nothing to fear when I'm in God's house, amen? And He's always trying to talk to us and reach out to us. He wants to let us know that He's not only with us here, He's with us everywhere, amen? But when we're always together with our brothers and sisters, it gives us overpowering tangibility of His work, His power in our lives. Amen? It really does. That's why it's so important whenever the church opens for us to be here, to what build up and strengthen each other, because the devil wants to have his way with us out there, and this is where we get plugged in to overcome that. So we don't fall prey to the enemy. It's so easy to fall prey to his schemes when we get disconnected from the body. You know it as well as I do. You don't show up for church a little while. You don't read your Bible. You stop praying. And boy, does the old nature come back quick. And it comes back and it says you're worse off than you were before. It's like so true. Every word of the Bible is true. And he says it for our, for our edification and warning. Us, like not the people. That's why we read the whole Bible. He, the Old Testament is written as a warning to us that don't fall prey to the schemes like the Israel did. So we won't have to you know, reap the reward of that. So everybody's doing good with the daily walk, I hope. Yeah. I love it, you know. It's, it's, sometimes it's a struggle to get to it, but God always gets us through it, right? Yeah. Amen. You know, the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. You know, it's just, we have to fight and master our flesh. And get ourselves focused, just like we got to do now, right? we got to get focused. The Holy Spirit is going to take over and work in our lives now in the church. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Mary, there wasn't enough room up there. I know! <laughs> and that's only... That's definitely the core, but there's more. So we're going to go back on this one. There's so much here, and there's so much to glean from. Just because we're on the subject of perseverance, we're going to go right to... Go to verse 1, Hebrews 12. This was... Chapter 12, when they just got done reading about the Faith Hall of Fame and all the martyrs and the servants of the Lord that hung in there till the end. Like He wants us to do. Persevere. Amen. Amen. In spite of what's going on in our lives or despite what the devil tries to do to us or our own flesh. Amen. Our own desires get in the way sometimes. Alright, everybody there? Alright, now it's time to focus. Whatever problems, whatever's going on, lay them aside. And let the Word of God fill your hearts now, okay? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, let me explain to you. If you, were, if you, were, um, if you watch NASCAR or something like that, their cars, they strip off all the weight of the car so it can go faster. 
and nothing hinders it from going faster. So they strip off every weight that might slow the car down. And it's the same thing with us. He wants us to strip off every weight that slows us down from growing spiritually. And it says, look what it says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now it's up to us as believers to notice what our weaknesses are so we recognize what sins keep tripping us up. Not what other people's sins are, what our sins are that keep tripping us up and stopping us from growing spiritually. Okay? Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Everybody has something in their life, a pet peeve that really irritates them real quick and takes them out of God's spirit real easy. It could be, you know, standing in line. It could be traffic. It could be people in their lives that just irritate them, what they say. It could be a lot of different things. And their weights, the Bible calls them. We have to what? Strip them off and not let them hinder us. If you have to leave them behind, you leave them behind. Or you have to accept where God has you. Now it says, he's going to tell us how to do it. And let us run with endurance or perseverance, which we're going to be talking about tonight. The race God has set before us. How many times do I tell you God saves you and he puts us in the race? The race towards heaven. Every time you get up now, he has a plan for your life and he sets you up there to what? Fill, um, fulfill his purposes in your life. Wherever you are right now, God placed you there and the decisions you make are up to you, but he gives you the, uh, the opportunity to make the right ones. Amen? Amen? It's up to us to run the race with endurance. Okay? We do this. How do we do this? By being good, going to Bible study and reading the Bible? No. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Right? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy. Now, how do we mean initiates? Jesus is what? The Word. Of course, we know that now, right? Jesus is the Word. The Trinity. God the Father. God the Son, which is Jesus. And God the Holy Spirit. Three have become one. Okay? God above us. He's always watching over us. This Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And we have the Lord Jesus who walks along beside us. Amen? He's our advocate. He's always with us. Amen? Okay. That's what we keep our eyes on. Jesus. Which is the Word. We keep our eyes fixed on what's going on in here. Not what's going on out there. And if you're not in here, you can't help but keep your eyes fixed on what's out there. Or what's actually inside of you. Which is the main problem. It's our heart. We have a heart condition. And we need a heart transplant. And that's why, and I'm going to read that scripture. I'm going to read that scripture. And I'm going to have to share with you in Ezekiel. Because that's where we are. If anybody's following with the daily walk, we're in Ezekiel. Some of the things he says are hard to understand. But in time, you'll get to understand them as you keep reading. God will reveal what they mean to you. Amen? And we'll get to study these prophets. It's coming. we got nothing but time. After the Bible through the year is over and I have more time to study on these subjects, we'll get there. Amen? Okay. So don't worry. It's coming. Okay. Or instead, look at verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the one that does it all. He's the one that sparks our fire, puts the Holy Spirit within us, and He's the one that perfects us or matures us. The Word of God is what matures us. If you're not reading the Word of God, you are not becoming mature. 
Believe me, if you haven't read from Genesis to Revelation all the way through the Bible, you are very immature. That's the beginning of maturity of knowing God and His character. And as you keep reading it, you'll start to understand it. And that's how you grow. Understanding all the spiritual values and principles in the Old Testament, because now it's a spiritual look. Your eyes are open spiritually, and everything in the Bible has a spiritual application. Amen? But when we're young believers, we don't see it yet. But it's coming. As you keep reading, it'll be revealed. If your heart is fixed on Him, and you want to see what He wants, you have to be, your heart has to be in the right condition for revelation. If you're just reading the book to get what you want out of it, and not to understand who God is, He's not going to reveal anything to you. It says, don't expect to receive anything from God. Your loyalty is divided by the world and the Word. You can't have both. Okay. Now it says, look what it says, because of the joy, or instead of the joy, awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Read the Gospels and what Jesus endured through sinful people, yet He did not sin. Though you have to understand, the Bible calls us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's who we ought to become. Like that. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. And then, look what it says. Some manuscripts read, think of how people hurt themselves by opposing Him. And that makes a lot of sense, right? When you ever go in opposition to God, you hurt yourself. You end up getting tripped up. Then it says, look, then you won't become weary and give up. Once you understand that Jesus hung in there, you won't get weary and give up because you understand it's part of the journey. Because now you understand the Word of God. And then it says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. You know we're still struggling against certain sins in our lives. Can I get an amen for that? We're still growing. <laughs> okay. After all, and have you not forgot have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Look what he says, the encouraging words. Now listen to what the Bible calls encouraging. He said, "My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves." And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, I don't really like that punish stuff. I think it's a mispronunciation. And he chastens, or he what, makes examples. All right? It's not punishment, okay? A punishment has been taken care of. He chastens each one he accepts as his child. And he's quote in Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. So that's how much reverence the Old Testament has. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as His own children. Read the Old Testament and you see how God treated His children. He disciplined them very often. That's why people give up in the faith because they don't read the Old Testament and don't understand what God's love really is and how He's corrective in nature. Look, for the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He chastens or punishes each one He accepts as His child. 
As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child that was never disciplined by its father? You know, the ones that you know, the ones that are out there in the world right now that are so spoiled, you know they never got disciplined. They're so spoiled and they're so wrapped up in themselves, they never got taught how to do the right thing. They never got corrected. They're like wild horses out in the world. It's all about me. Get out of my way. No respect for older people who comes out of their mouth full of cuss and, and disrespect because they never got disciplined. What do you think will happen to a Christian if they don't get disciplined? We have a sin nature and we do the same thing. We'll be Christians doing the same thing the world does if we don't get corrected. So it's actually an honor that God corrects us, the Bible says. And what do, what do, what do immature Christians do? They get bitter and angry at God when He corrects them. That's what? Immaturity. Knowing that that's the way God works in His kids. Is that to beat you up? No, it's just to let you know Accept it, and God loves you that way. Because it says right here, if God doesn't discipline you as He does all His children... Listen, listen what He says here. If God doesn't discipline you as He does all His children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really His children at all. So if God's not correcting you or disciplining you, the Bible says you don't even belong to Him then. So it's a good thing if He's on you. The, God's always on me, and I'm glad He is. And He uses my wife, traffic, people at work, people at church. He uses them all to correct me and discipline me. What do you think He does? He uses people, places, and things to correct us and discipline us. Whenever somebody comes up to you confronting you with something, and you don't give it an ear, you're, not, you're rejecting what God is trying to say to you. Because God sent them to you. The first thing we do is get, who the heck are they? They don't even go to church. <laughs> and you have to ask yourself, maybe I'm one of the reasons why. Right? Think about it. It's true. Alright, now there's another one in Hebrews I want us to go to. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. This came, this came, this came to me just a minute ago. Because when you're born again, the Word of God becomes powerful and alive, it says. But when you don't have the Spirit of God in you, it doesn't come alive. Okay? It doesn't come alive. It's just a book. When the Holy Spirit is in you, this book is precious to you. And you live your life by it. Because I'm going to show you the Scriptures that says that He puts that Spirit in us so we can. Look at verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Now, did you ever see a sharp two-edged sword? How sharp that thing is? It can like slice through a piece of paper, cut your head clean off. I mean, when it goes in, it goes right in like, like, like butter. That's how sharp it is. Cutting between what? Soul and spirit. This word cuts right through it. Cut through the chase. Between joint and marrow, right? Through the flesh and the spirit, it's saying. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's why when you come to church and you get convicted that you're doing something wrong, it ex the Word of God is what's exposing it. Yep. And if your heart is right, 
It's what? It's giving, you're, you're actually feeling good because you're doing on his plan. But when you're rebelling against him, it becomes what? Oh, you start getting caught up and convicted by it. And it's supposed to. It's corrective in nature. And complementive. Because you know it as well as I do. If you're in God's will and you hear the word of God, it's like everything you hear is a blessing to you. Because you know you're in his plan. But when you're walking away from him and he hits you in the face with all these things, you start getting angry. And you start to get convicted. And then you start getting mad. Because the truth hurts. Now look what it says. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one whom we are accountable to. Listen, whatever you do in your life, remember, you're not accountable to people. You're accountable to God. You're not here to make people like you. You're here to do the will of God. And you might make some enemies in the process. But you have to accept that. Because when they fall off and go into the world, if you're not in God's will, you'll go into the world too. Because you want to make people like you. So you conform to their way, the way they want you to be. Nothing. No, 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 no. I ain't going there. I'm going to church. You know what I'm saying? How easy it is. How easy it is for us to fall into the flesh. Bad company corrupts good character. You're with people of the world for too long and you're not grown spiritually, they're taking you out. You ain't taking them in. That's why when the church doors open, it darken it, and you build strength by being together in numbers. You know, we, we, get, to, we get our strength from the, the church. So we can handle that. I don't know about you, but every time the door opens, I'm here. I gotta be. My flesh wants the world. My spirit wants the word. Alright, now, the scripture that I want to share with you is Ezekiel 36, okay? Once you become born again, okay, God does something to the believer, okay? And I'm going to explain what it is. I'm ready a chance to get there. God is awesome. Let me tell you what he does for his kids. So this is why we can't make any excuses why we can't obey him because there's something that he did for us so we can, okay? There's no way you can't obey him if you have his spirit in him. Look what it says in verse 25. This is a fact right now, okay? So listen up. If you're saying you can't do his will, you're only deceiving yourself because the Bible says you can if you choose. Verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. What does it mean, sprinkle? Washing, look, this is the washing right here. The clean water. The washing is the washing of the word of God. See, the washing, the, it washes out the world and it puts the word in. It washes us clean. Our perception, our thoughts, everything. It gives us a new... Insight. Now look what it says. I will sprinkle you clean water on you and you will be clean. The moment you believe, you are clean. God sees you as he sees Jesus. Imagine, that was an act of his grace to you. 
your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. Listen now. And I will put a new spirit in you. Right? You get the spirit of God at the moment of you believe. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. Now listen what it says here. It means a lot what he's saying here. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations and words. So when you have the spirit of God in you, you want to follow and obey what it says in the word. If you don't have it, then you won't. But when you do, it says, I'm going to read it again. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will. Not that you can. It says so that you will. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my instructions or words. So what's my evidence of the Holy Spirit living in me? Me following the word and obeying it. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in me. When I disobey it and don't live nothing by it, that means I don't have the spirit in me. That's exactly what it means. Don't deceive yourself because the Bible is clear. He gives us a new heart and he puts a spirit in us so we will obey what's in that book. So if you have the spirit of God in you, you want to be obedient to what it says. Now I'm not talking about you know your flesh is weak, but the goal in your life is to become conformed to his image and start to be like him and do the things he asks us to do. That should be a desire in every believer. Because he put his spirit in you so that you will do that. That's why he saved you. Don't think that just because I say I believe and the Spirit is in you, the evidence of the Spirit being in you is you want to learn this book and obey it. That's the evidence that it really does dwell in you. And if it doesn't dwell in you, you won't go near it or read it. That's a fact. Hey, I'm only reading the Bible to you. That's what it says, and that's what I believe. Do you believe that? That's the evidence. Are you obeying what it says? Not just coming here and playing church, like most people do. They go play church, and they go out and do whatever they want. That means you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Because when you do, when you go try to do that, you start getting icky. It doesn't sit right with you. I can't explain it any other way. You start getting that weirdness inside you. Something's wrong here. I'm such a hypocrite. I say I go to church and I'm acting all pious and I'm, I'm something big church status. But when I leave here, I'm as evil as the devil. And that tells me that the Spirit of God is not in you. That's what the Bible says. You want to take it up with God, go pray to Him. I'm just preaching what the Word says. Amen? Don't be deceived. Everybody says it's easy, just believe it. No, it's not that easy because to believe something, you have to what? Understand what you're believing. If you don't, oh, I just believe it. No, 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 no. You have to come to believe that by reading the Word and letting it cleanse you and renew your mind. Then you believe it and become like it. Everybody gets that. Oh, yeah, I believe. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. What's the supper? Let's go out and party. It's a lie from the devil. Nobody believes instantly. 
No, but do you believe instantly if I said to you, oh, I'm going to give you my house, do you believe it? No, you're going to want some evidence that I did give it. You want the deed, right? All right, you want to give it to me? Well, let me show you the deed. Give me the deed. You want to give me your car? Give me the title. I want to give you my son? Well, give me the word. Give me the evidence. We're very, very skeptical people. We don't believe anything we hear. Well, some people do, and they're a mess. They're gullible. But people with a sound mind, yeah, before I believe something, I'm going to do a little bit of research on this before I give my life over to something I don't even know. People are so ignorant on this book, it's not even funny. Just accept him as your savior, and everything's going to go well for you. Well, who's my savior? What does he do? How does he act? How does he work? What is he, what is he like? Show me his character. I will, because I put my spirit in you so you will learn. And if you don't go in there and want to learn, then your spirit, my spirit's not in you. Simple fact. Even my wife tells me a lot of things. It's hard for me to believe. Right? She says, you don't believe me, right? How come you don't believe me? Because I don't got all the facts. That's why I don't. Then I go get the facts, and then I believe. Right? Same thing with all of us, right? Somebody's going to get the facts together first before they believe something, right? Well, you're going to get the facts what's in the book before you believe it. And God will put the desire in you to want to get in this book. And if you don't have the desire to get in this book, well, then you don't have His Spirit in you. Bottom line, it's just a book. Because when He puts His Spirit in you, this becomes God speaking to you in every word. You don't start getting skeptical and saying, how can someone live 750 years? How can somebody part the Red Sea? Who, who can get swallowed by a fish and then live through it? That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of doubt, which it gives you by Satan. You're not saved. Trust me. Because when you're saved, you become like a kid and say, wow, they lived a long time. You know why they did? Because sin didn't infect them like it does now. Sin is what kills you. Then he said, I can't tolerate this anymore. 120 years, you're done. Says it in the Bible. And it's true. But before that, they lived seven, eight hundred years. I don't know if I want to be down here that long. Boy, that's a long time down here in this hellhole. I'm getting up now. Right? Come on now, let's be real. Somebody dies and goes home to be with the Lord. Say, you got there before me. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I know there's a better life waiting me. I believe what that book says. Yeah. I baked my life on it. But it took me a while to really understand and believe that. Yeah. That I'm just passing through this. And to accept the way things are going. And it's not always going to be perfect down here for me. That I'm going to need somebody to carry me through. You know, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, no? And it doesn't work that way. Not with God. No, he says, take your boots off and put me on. Amen. Put on Christ, it says. Put on your new nature, created to be like Christ, right? Perfect and holy. So stop telling lies. Let it tell us neighbor the truth. Ephesians. It says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Wow, I got to go to Bible college where God wants me to know. He said, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Wow, that was hard. 
All right, let's go back. Let's go to some of the reasons why every believer should persevere. Because if you want to enjoy what God's given, look, you've already made it this far. Look, you're already halfway up the mountain. To, to, to give up now would be the most foolish thing a believer could do. Okay. We ended in the last one we talked about was we were in James. Talking about our sin nature, what gets in the way. Right? And we want to be a testimony to others. Right? We want to be... Okay, let's see. I'll show you. I got where we ended. We ended... We ended right here. In James 1, 14 to 16. Tells us where the temptation comes from. And how sin... To, so God, to give us the fullness of joy... We have to what? Get rid of our sin nature. So I want us to go to 1 John 1. 1 John 1, verse 6. The Bible has some cut and dry stuff in it when I read it. 1 John 1, look at verse 6. Everybody there? You know when somebody says, well, I don't lie? I don't know about that. The Bible says everybody lies. So, look at verse 6 in this. This is about spiritual growth. So we are lying. If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. What is spiritual darkness? That means living in sin. That's what spiritual darkness means. Or in your sin nature. If you go on living in your sin nature, you do not have fellowship with God. Okay? Or, the, or, the, or you go living in the ways of the world. We are not practicing the truth. What's practicing the truth? The Word of God. P putting into practice the Word of God. See it? But if we are living or walking in the light, see it? It doesn't say if we believe. It says if we are living. See it? We are living in the light. See it? Not just having the light, but living in the light of what's in the Bible. Living that way, walking in the light, the ways of the Word. If we're walking in the ways of the Word, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you see it? What does that mean? It means it clears us from a guilty conscience. That's what it does. When you're doing what God wants you to do, it clears us from... Look, our sin nature gives us a guilty conscience. There's no doubt about it. Because you know the truth. God revealed it to you. And when you go living in spiritual darkness, like you don't know the truth, your conscience gets guilty when you sin. But when you're living in the light and you stumble, it doesn't give us a guilty conscience because you know we're trying to live right. You see, it's only the motive. You're trying to do it right, what's right, but you know you have the weakness of your sin nature sometimes gets the best of you, but not always. Okay, and then it clears us of the guilty conscience because you know you're trying to do the right thing. It's just the weakness of your sin nature. But when you're not doing the right thing and you're living in the dark, knowing that you have the light, you have guilt and shame and condemnation with you. Because you're not living the way God wants you to live. And our conscience, if we get guilty. All right, go to 1 Timothy 5, verse 6. We're going to keep going here. Now, awesome principles, he says here. Am I coming across all right? Yeah. 
Oh, you guys are awesome. What a what a great crew we got here. We got a great church, you know. We really do. We're like a needle in a haystack out there. All we do is try to give truth, you know. I don't you know me, I just tell you the way it is. I'm not here to make you love me. I'm here to give you the word of God and love him. Amen. Okay. It says in verse six, it says it calls it says the widow. But you can say the person, this is a principle here now, who lives only for pleasure. See, if you're only living for pleasure in this world, you are spiritually dead even while she lives. You see it? If you're only living by the ways of the world and to get pleasure for you, you are not spiritually grown at all. You're actually dying spiritually because now your flesh is winning because you want what your flesh wants. You see? It's not rejecting. You should be rejecting the flesh and what? Taking this on as you grow. That's what maturity is. Letting go of what you want and, and sacrificing that for what he wants. See, because as he calls you, he calls us to give ourselves up more and more, more of us. He requires of us. Things you'd rather do, he says, no, I want you to do this for me. But I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go live for yourself. I want you to do this for me. Stop that and come and see me. Ask me what I want you to do. Not what you want to do. Don't think we get saved to live our way. No, he saved us to crucify our way and live a new life his way. If you still want the things you used to want, you have to ask yourself, do I have the Spirit of God in me? Because the Spirit of God rebels against what we want. Or you're just sitting there playing church. Or do you really want to make changes in your life to be conformed to His image? And if you really want to make changes, you have to get rid of you. And what you want. And say, alright Lord, I want that, but I want what you want. We know our flesh still wants it. But you still have to say, the Spirit in me is stronger. Say, but I want what God wants. You know what I'm saying? And it overcomes that. That's what growth is. You get rid of your sin nature and you take on the new nature. That overtakes the sin nature. You outgrow the sin nature. You know what? That's, that is no eternal value. None of it. As a matter of fact, we got that movie again, The Beamer. We're going to be watching that again. When the guy was looking ahead saying, what, what, what my life added up to when I get to heaven. And he all lived for himself and there was regrets and all kinds of sadness because he didn't understand why he got saved. He still lived his way. And the rewards were very futile. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Believe me, only what you do for God is coming with you. Everything else you do for yourself is getting burned up. You ain't taking none of it with you. But just remember, the people you bring home to God they're going to see you up there, and you're going to get rewarded for it. See, remember when you told me about Jesus back then, like 10 years ago? Thank you. You, did, you didn't do what you wanted. You did what God wanted. And now I'm in heaven too. Thank you for that. That's what you're going to get. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not, oh, I got my... I got my no, God's going to say, you know when you went to do what you wanted to do, and I wanted you to come to church and do this other thing? You missed out on what I wanted to have for you. See that person over there? Somebody else told them about Jesus and they get the reward. You don't. You got your reward down here. That's how it amounts. We're going we're to watch the movie. It's coming. As soon as it gets cold, we'll set up some movie nights. Amen? Great movie. Put perspective back on you while you're here. Amen. Now, 
It says, she's spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. And what else living your way? It gives you a hard life. Living in your sin nature as a Christian gives you a hard life. You are better off not knowing the truth than trying to, than knowing it and then going and live your way. Hard life. Always rebelling against God. Always miserable down here. Saying, why? You know, that's actually God working against you. Because you want what you want, not what he wants. It's God working against you, not the world. Because you failed to want to do what I called you to do. You're not looking for the gift I gave you. You're just, you're just existing down there. Not even having any impact saying, what did God save me for? Not even questioning it. Go on and live what you want to do. God's like, no, I'm going to resist that. I want you to find life. And the only way you're going to find life is you search to see what I gifted you with and to use it to build up the body. Go to Proverbs 13. This is, I'm telling you, this is awesome stuff. This is real stuff here. If you've been coming to church for a long time and don't know what your gift is, you have to ask yourself, why am I that far away from God that I don't even know what God saved me for yet? You have to say, I'm really not really walking with him or I'm really not wholeheartedly looking for the answer. Because when you're wholeheartedly seeking him, he will reveal himself to you and what he wants from you. We're going to be doing a study on wholeheartedness. It's coming. Be prepared. Because I don't know about you, but God called me to do something and I knew what it was. Because I wanted to know what it was. If you don't want to know what it is, then you ain't going to never know. I don't know a Christian that loves Jesus doesn't want to know what he gifted them with to serve the Lord. I hope you want to know. And I hope you do know. And I hope you use it to serve the ministry. Because that's what you were created for. Proverbs 13.9 Look at this. I love this. The life of the godly is full of light and joy. So, think about it. Are you full of light and joy when you leave here? Ask me. Ask yourself that. Are you just one miserable, hungry Christian that leaves here with lemon juice? <laughs> cussing people and being miserable and saying, no. It says the life of the godly. The life of the rebellion is <laughs> so mad at God. I can't believe I'm stuck here. What is he doing? Miserable. Instead of just finding joy in where he has you. Saying, use me, Lord. I know there's a purpose in this, Lord. And I know it ain't all about me anymore. So let me see you in this. It's the truth that will set you free. When you leave here and you're miserable, you have to ask yourself, I guess I'm not living godly then, because when you live godly, you're full of light and joy. And then it says, look what it says right here. But the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. See it? Miserable. The light of, listen what it says, of the wicked. What's the wicked? People that live against God's ways is wicked. That's the wicked. Right? Will be snuffed out. See, we take the word wicked as like, ooh, I'm not wicked. 
Well, if you're not doing what God wants you to do, the Bible says you are. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Or an ouch? Either one. Me, wicked? Yeah. Let me think, think about this. When you really get angry, or you really peed off at somebody, how wicked your heart feels towards people, and how evil you think. That's wickedness. You know what it does? It takes the joy right out of you. It says the light. What does it mean to be snuffed out? All the light that comes from this doesn't show up. It's dark, even when it's light out. Lemon-faced Christians everywhere. You know, you come, what's the matter with you? Oh, I just got out of church. <laughs> oh, you represent Jesus so good. What church do you go to? Thank you for warning me. You realize you represent this ministry when you leave here and your actions and behaviors fall prey to what goes on here so people see it and they say, you know what? I don't want anything they're teaching you. Think about that. You're not just here for you. You represent this ministry. Even when you're alone, by the way, even when nobody's looking at what you're doing, you're representing the way ministries and you're taking Jesus into it. That's what gives me a healthy fear not to do the wrong stuff. Because Jesus is with me through it. It says it in um, 1 Corinthians. What? Join, uh, join Jesus to a prostitute? Or do anything sexual perverted? With Jesus, you're taking him into it? Boy, you really love the Lord? It's evil. People play church all the time. Listen, this isn't a play church. This is a real one. Pride leads to conflict. Listen to this. Pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. People put spiritual leaders in front of you to what? Give you good godly advice? You're wise. But people that don't come to the spiritual leaders for advice and go to the world for it is what? It leads to conflict because you've got pride issues. You won't come to me because you think you know more. So you've got more pride. So I'm not going to him. I've been saved longer than he has. So what has he got to show me? Let me tell you something. God put people here for a reason. Pride. How many of us were born with pride? My nationality, Italians, full of pride. A lot of nationalities, full of pride. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished in my life. Nothing that you have didn't come from the hand of God. Okay? Nothing. Okay? In contrast, Jesus Christ came not only to provide salvation, but an abundant life of rich fellowship with Him. The Good Shepherd declared, go to John 10. Look at verse 9. Jesus speaking here. You already chance to get there. That's cool. I love to hear the pages flipping. That means you're looking. Jesus said in verse 9, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved or will find safety. They will come and go freely 
and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose, which is who? Satan is to steal and kill and destroy. And let me tell you something. If you're living in your sin nature as a Christian, he's seeking to kill, steal, kill, and destroy you. And he will. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. If your life isn't rich and satisfying, then you are not doing things his way. You're doing things your way. Because even if it's suffering, you know that God called you to do it, it still should satisfy you. Because you know not only does He call us, He called us to suffer for His name's sake too. And it's an honor to suffer for His name. Mine's all that's gonna happen in me. I go to Bible study, I read, I'm supposed to get blessed. Yeah, you got blessed with suffering. How's that? That's a blessing in God's eyes. Suffering's a blessing. Not me. I don't want to suffer. Well, then you're not a soldier. Soldiers suffer. For what? So other people can be safe. People that get involved with ministry go to a lot to get the word out, the message, the ministry. It's taxing. We do it so what? Others don't trip up and stumble and become casualties. We do it to keep you going. There's no greater love than the friend to lay their life down for their friends. When you mature, you lay yourself down for the people in the church. You lay yourself down for the people in the world. You get out of the way. It's not about you anymore. It's about what God wants. And then when you do that and accomplish that, then you find life. You never find life serving yourself. Never. My purpose, he gives it, what? God has a purpose for me? Yeah. What is it? To give them a rich and satisfying life. Is your life rich and satisfying right now as a Christian? Ask yourself that question. If it is, hallelujah. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If it isn't, you have to ask yourself, am I in his will or mine? When believers walk or live by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, we are in fellowship with God and each other. You see, when you're doing the right thing, when you come to church, we're in fellowship with each other. But when you come living a sinful, nasty life and coming to church, there's no fellowship with each other. We really ain't got much to share. Go to Galatians 5.16. We have to close in this one. Yeah? It's already 6 o'clock. Yeah. And when you're not looking at your watch, time goes by quick. That's why when I go to work, I don't put, I don't, I don't have a clock up at the thing. Because if I keep looking at the clock, it's like, oh, another hour. It never goes by. When you're not, when you, think, when you just put your head down and work, next thing you know, it's time to go home. Anyway, they got me working, so why don't you get time to look at yeah, the clock? Right. <laughs> That's all right. It's better that way. <laughs> now look what it says in verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit, which is what I just said in Ezekiel, God give you that. Guide your life. So the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. Okay? Let the Word of God guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
So after I get saved, you mean my sinful nature is still going to have cravings? Yes, the Bible says it. You're still going to crave the things of the world. But now you have something in you that's stronger that you can resist them cravings now. If you're living, if you're letting the Holy Spirit guide your life. If you're not, then it won't happen. If this is guiding your life, you're all set. If the Word of God is what you live by, you're all set. If it's not, you're always going to be craving things. Look, let, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Or we're in fellowship with God. Listen, look at John, 1 John 1, 7. If we're living in the light, not just having the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I had to throw that in there, because that's important. Don't you want to be in fellowship with each other when you come to church? You're living a nasty, sinful life and come to church. That's like, you're not really in fellowship with anybody, you're lying. We don't want that here. The result in the Spirit's fruit of joy in their lives. All right, last scripture. I'm going to close. Galatians 5.22. Go back there. I want to show you what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you. Or has the ability to. This is awesome fruit. And this is what we're trying to build from this ministry. This kind of fruit in our lives. But the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God obeyed, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, love. Joy. Oh, it's great to see. You know when you come to church, you know, it's great to see everybody, you know? You just love to be with your brothers and sisters because you're doing what you have to do. Right? Joy. You're joyful. Look what it says. Peace. The daily walk, right? Lord willing, peace. <laughs> Why do I say that, though? There's a reason why I say it. Because it's the Word of God that gives you peace. Look at the next one. Patience. How many of us need... this? We live in America, the most impatient country you can live in. You can't get things to things fast enough. And when you don't get it, Christians... Get so angry, so easy when they're impatient. They don't have any patience. Instead of just chilling out. Kindness. How are you to your neighbors? Are you kind? Remember the, remember the, remember the, remember the guy said to Jesus, love thy neighbors. Well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> oh, man. He knew. Oh, boy. What do you consider a neighbor? <laughs> And then you're going to ask yourself, God put me where I am around all these neighbors so I can show kindness to people who are not kind to me. That's a tough one, and that's why we're here. You know what? Try it sometimes. You don't like the neighbor next door to you? Bring him something. Bring him a cake. Bring him a cake. Bring him something nice. Don't put any laxatives in it or not. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. People do not use the Bible. They do not follow the Word of God. It says to be kind to them. Not cuss them and get mad at them. God put them there for a reason. And you're trying to get away from them, right? Just like Jonah. Swallow that one. Mature Christians. Everybody wants to move. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> you think you're gonna get away from yourself, do you? All right. Goodness, faithfulness. See it? Oh my God! Self-control, Pete. Isn't that what everybody comes to church for? Or no? You ain't gonna get it if you, unless you do things His way. You gotta let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Well, how's the Holy Spirit work? I want to show you. Open the book, right? Go to page to Genesis. The Holy Spirit works there. And he goes all the way through to Revelations. And that's the Holy Spirit working. That's how he works. And if you don't read it, you'll never get it. I don't care how many churches you go to. Amen? All right, we're going to have to stop there. Thank you. Let me share that with you. We'll pick this up when we meet again. We got Brittany, Deb, and Jasmine coming up to close us. How's that? Did I get that right? Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I would have forgot already.
awesome. Bob, you want to come up and close us? Thank you. All I have here, so please, all merciful loving God, thank you for this word you've given us tonight, Father. Thank you for your word, Heavenly Father. Your word, the Bible. And Heavenly Father, we praise and honor and glorify you. We worship you. We exalt you. We lift you on high, Heavenly Father. And thank you for sending your Son cross and dying for our sins we could never do it by ourselves Amen. because we could never do enough for Jesus our Lord and Savior thank you for dying on a cross for us thank you yes. for going willingly by your Father's commands thank you in obeying him Heavenly Father and Heavenly Father thank you for meeting our needs Heavenly Father thank you for getting us here safely Heavenly Father yes. and Heavenly Father let us go forth to the lost and dying world let us see that we are Christians by the way we act, Heavenly yes. Father. Yes, we all have down days, Heavenly Father. Yes, Give us the strength to endure. Yes, Please. We have seasons that are low in our lives for a purpose, Heavenly Father. Yes, Maybe a builder is not strength up. For whatever reason it is, we trust and honor and glorify you, yes, Heavenly Lord. Father. Like it says in Deuteronomy, 31 6, Heavenly Father. We trust and obey you, but we have no other place to go. Yes. And you are the truth and the light and the way, Heavenly yes. Father. Yes. And Heavenly Father, please take care of all the Christians across this whole world, Heavenly yes. Father. Let them be able to go and worship in yes. your sanctuary, yes. Heavenly Father. Yes. We will be with fellow Christians. And our fellow Christians will fill us up and talk to us and give us guidance when we need it. Or friendship. Yes. Whatever they are. Whatever we need, Heavenly Father. And let's have travel directions till we meet again. And without with, without saying, Heavenly Father, keep your mighty hand over this great nation of God, Heavenly Father. As we go forth, we are going through turbulent times right now. Let your will be done, Heavenly Father, whatever it is. But please, take care of your Christians, Heavenly yes. Father. As your word says, we pray these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bobby. Oh, before we go, I want to say happy birthday, Doreen. Happy birthday, Doreen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless. Peace.